Welcome to this week's episode of Super 8s, brought to you by SportsTalk.ie and kindly sponsored by the Hudson Bay Hotel Group and Syncom Recruitment. The winner of last week's competition is Andrew Eifant. Congratulations to you on winning this fantastic two-night stay in the luxurious Hudson Bay Hotel. This week we are delighted to be giving away another two-night stay in the luxurious Hudson Bay Hotel. Details on how to win are posted on our Facebook page, sportstalk.ie. I'm your host, Dorn Hart, and again I'm joined by three-time All-Ireland winner Sean Ogohalpine. And making his, co- his podcast debut this week, Shane K. Kern. Rumour has it that you met once before at, a, at an all-star bash. Can you, one of you fill me in on the, the story or what went down? A long time ago now, a long time ago. Shane, Shane was the alpha male that was trying to take my girlfriend, man, that night. Kinda. <laughs> so, we, so, we, so we sat at the same table at the 2003 All-Stars, having a crack. And then as soon as the formalities were over, the music started coming. And then basically, lo and behold, before I turned left, Time no one Siobhan was driving with Shane by on the dance floor and he was giving a sock. So <laughs> he, he, he was wasting no time anyway, Sean Oak. Uh, so meant to dance, man. Great goalkeeper, but even better dancer. <laughs> uh, you, you, you won the war, though, that's the main thing. I'm just wondering, Durham, where my wife was when, uh, when I went off dancing with Siobhan. Where did Sean Oak bring her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, this I don't think that's for this podcast, lads. <laughs> well, I suppose seeing as we're on on, on the discussion of the All Stars, I suppose that's the only place we can start this week. Um, there's been, I suppose, big discussion over the weekend between the exclusion of Stephen Cluxton. Uh, I get onto that in a minute with Shane Kern. Um, for me, the big loser on the night was probably Tom Parsons. I thought he was unbelievable all summer, so he was. But I think when Colin Kavanagh w- was nominated at midfield, he was always going to be under pressure. Um, Shane, what was your take on the on on, on the goalkeeper debate? I didn't think there was any debate at all in the first instance. Um, by far and away, I, I thought the, the best goalkeeper in this was David Clark. And, and, and be that as it may, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Stephen is a top-class keeper as well. But you, the All-Stars picked on the season. Uh, what was more baffling for me is how, how uh, they happened to nominate both Cluxton and Clark for Player of the Year. Uh, I didn't see or see or understand that because I didn't think either of them were close to it. But um, in terms of the debate for the goalkeeping, um, Clark for me was by far the standout, standout performer. And probably the reason for that is that he played 10 games over the season. And uh, he played them at a very, very high level. Um, his, his performances were, were in that, the 8 to 10 category at all stages. And I suppose really with all the Dublin players, really, you get to see them maybe in, in two or three games. I think Dublin had five this year. But, the, I mean, it's only at semi-final and final now that it, that it really counts and, and that you see the top performances. And, and I don't think Stephen probably done enough this year uh, to give him the award ahead of Clark. And I think basically that's down to probably Clark being in the consciousness of, of the, the selectors and I think of, of uh, the playing public more so throughout the year on, on, on uh, Mio's 10-game run to the All-Ireland final. Um, but uh, from a goalkeeping perspective, I, I just thought he was fantastic. I think he has been for the last couple of years, um, notwithstanding that obviously Tuxton is up there as well. Um, it's hard to think he hasn't won an, an All-Star since 2013. But it's not about being the best goalkeeper or being in the top two or three even. Uh, it's about being the best performer on the on in the given year. And I think this year there can be no doubt that David Clark was the better goalkeeper. Very good. And um, what was your take on the football team overall, Shane? Was there any, I suppose, the, the, the beauty about the All-Stars is it's very subjective. I suppose if we sat down with tr- three pens each, we'd probably come up with three different teams. W- were there any changes that you would have made? Uh, well, uh, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned um, um, 
Tom Parsons there, but I would throw Kevin McLaughlin into the mix too. Uh, I would also throw, uh, you know, maybe one or two others that weren't that fancied. And, you know, I suppose we, we Jung Devaney here, he was nominated as, uh, for the left half-back spot. Now, Jack McCaffrey got it. I'm not debating the fact at all that Jack McCaffrey is the best left half-back in the country. Probably, in my mind, uh, along with, with um, McCarthy, the, James McCarthy, the two best players in the country, and I'd pay to go in and see them morning, noon, and night. I think McCaffrey is just a top-drawer player. But in terms of his actual performances this season, um, I find it funny that, you know, he, he came off in the All-Ireland very early, uh, so you could say he didn't play the All-Ireland. OK, he was outstanding against Tyrone, uh, but basically that was that was his one game of 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 um, top quality caliber this season. Whereas we Conor Devaney, uh, you know, he, you okay, you can say Leeds are the best of of, of players of, of teams, but uh, or hadn't the best players. But he scored, I think, two goals in that game. Uh, he went on and scored a number of points in the Connacht final. Uh, he was one of our best better performers against against uh, Mayo uh, in Dublin, and uh, no, he got the he got the. Uh, he got the nomination. But one could argue, you know, if you're looking at it from a, from we'll say uh, the, the 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 point of the underdog, that maybe the likes of him, um, it would have been much fairer to give him one. McCaffrey is the best player without doubt, uh, and I'm not I'm not debating that he isn't. Um, what I'm debating is the best player in the given year, and I think you know the selectors here. Uh, there's a bit of politics in it. We should pos- possibly call it the All Ireland Final All Stars now anymore. You have thirteen <laughs> of them. Uh, you have seven from six from Mayo, one from Kerry. They have to get one because of the politics. And I think also, look at uh, you have a selector who will be very close to Mickey Hart. Colin Kavanagh probably got the All Star because of that reason. And that's that's the politics of it. Colin Kavanagh for me, uh, you know. He's really a defensive uh, linebacker, I suppose. He's sweeper, call him whatever you want to call him. And the sweeping position went to Keane O'Sullivan, number six. Did he do enough to get it? You could argue that. But the Dublin players are, are always going to be up there, and that's fine. Um, and the, whoever in the final is going to be up there as well. Uh, it's nitpicking, but um, I would have thought Tom Parsons was more deserving of the midfielder's award as a midfield player than Colin Kavanagh. Yeah, I, I would have been certainly along the same lines thinking as yourself, um, Shane. I thought he was fantastic all summer. Um, I, I suppose the half-back line is, is so competitive. It's probably most, one of the most competitive lines you could get. Uh, Sean Powter down in Cork had a great season as well. The Cork probably didn't get far enough, Sean Oak, for him to be um, probably selected in that area, but I thought he was brilliant in the games that Cork played. What was your thinking on the football All-Stars and people who lost out? Like, from a Cork perspective, um, like... The problem, the problem with Cork, another team that exits like you know, kind of so soon in the championship, and Kate is right. Unless if you're in the semi-final or all in final, oh man, like you want to be getting man of the match awards. Do you know what I mean? Previous to that, to be in the no, running, Cork were just knocked out. Do you know what I mean? I know Mayo beat them in the qualifiers after extra time, got an effort, but like they they weren't in the business end of the championship. So like basically, I could see why you know, I could see why no one from Cork like kind of. God wouldn't announce his role. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I know you definitely have to be towards the latter end of the championship. Uh, just on the football of the year, I thought Andy Moran was the man for me. Um, not, I suppose, on sentimental values, but just I thought he had May up on his shoulders there for a couple of thought against two games against Kerry. Everybody said he wouldn't come back to replay and do it again, and he was absolutely fantastic. Shane, what's your take on uh, football of the year? Yeah, I mean, look, it came down to Andy, really, I suppose. Um, he, I think he's a, it's, it's, a, it's a magnificent achievement. 
um, from any player, you know, to come back from what he came back from cruciate leg, uh, cruciate injuries and leg breaks uh, in his late twenties and early thirties, to actually come back and perform at that level, I don't think people or maybe our listeners don't understand um, what it takes to come back and and prepare your body um, meticulously for 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 championship um, football and what what the commitment and drive and it takes the. The whole intelligence element of it, indeed, as well. You know, I heard him uh, talking about giving up, uh, getting out of the car. I think he's he's uh, opened up a gym for himself, and uh, I hope that's going quite well. It's, I hope players, you know, support him, and the business uh, the business community supports him, and clubs support him in his endeavours in that business. And it, it, he wasn't in a car. I think very similar for Chris Barrett. He found nothing in a car was good for his body. Good for the soul and good for the mind as well, probably. And and at 34, the the tenacity and the drive to come back and perform as he did this year. And I was at a, I was actually at a, an FBD game back in in January uh, when um, Mayo played um, Roscommon, and he came on and he scored two goals that particular day, and and he was the difference. And from January through to September, his performances were were breathtaking and and a breath of fresh air. And it, you know, it gives great hope, I suppose, to those. Uh, in their thirties, who are thinking maybe giving up the game or, or um, you know, deciding to retire back to club football, that uh, you know you can do it if if you're dedicated enough to your craft. And uh, he has proven that that uh, that he was. And um, you know, as I said, I, I think he, right from the get go, once uh, his nomination came in, there wasn't really going to be any other any other doubt about uh, who was going to be um, in in the running for it. Um, I think the goalkeeping one. The two goalkeepers been nominated was was a little bit of a I don't know how how do you actually call it <laughs> kind of keeping, keeping people PC. Uh, James right. McCarthy is just a top class player anyhow. So yeah. um, so I, I think you know well deserved. Another player I thought really was outstanding throughout the whole year for Mayo and ended up in taking off in every game uh, was Colin Boyle. I thought he was far more worthy of being in the, the nominations than either Cluxton or. David Clark, but uh, look at the footballer of the year is Andy Morden, and, and rightly so. And and um, as I said, you know, for for aspiring players and young players coming up, uh, to see his determination and to see his joy and delight in the games that he played, notwithstanding the fact that they didn't win the All Ireland, um, is a tremendous boost to everybody. Yeah, I certainly agree with you there, Shane. Um, I suppose moving on to the hurling Ulsters, then Sean Oak. Um, Two Cork uh, players receiving their All Stars this year, and Noel Kenny uh, is it marking a change in regard? And yeah, um, like similar to the football, one or two eyebrows raised, but like overall, there could be no complaints. I was, I was like to be honest, though, I picked. Uh, I, I, I think when I was kind of predicting my team, I think I got twelve, you know, twelve of the fifteen. Like so, um, it was going to be dominated by the semi-finalists. Do you know what I mean? Which it was, and it was dominated more like the football by the hurling finalists. So that was Galway and Waterford. Um, yeah, Kilkenny. Like, uh, did I read somewhere like that? That was Kilkenny's kind of in forty years without getting a hurling also, which is remarkable. Do you know what I mean? Kind of. Such is the great, such is the great county that is Kilkenny. Um, but have made oak lads, you know, kind of uh, the same way, like that. People are born every day and people die, and then taxes is part of life. Kilkenny will be back, you know, uh, make no doubt about it. Um, from a Cork perspective, um, 
uh, I was supposed to be with Deloitte with the two, uh, and I guess that was a true reflection. The only fella hard done by was probably Anthony Nash on goal. Uh, had a great monster campaign, um, but equally in fairness to Stephen O'Keefe, Stephen O'Keefe, like, uh, to me, quietly went about his business all year. Um, I reckon Stephen O'Keefe got the nod because they got to the final, you know, and, and, and Cork didn't, but there wasn't much between them. One guy I would feel sorry for, right, in the hurling all-stars, that would be Aidan Hart of Galway, who played wing-back. Um, to me, I thought, uh, and the way Shane is putting it, I thought Aidan Hart from start to finish, man. Rarely beaten, very consistent, one of Galway, best Galway performers, I like, you know what I mean, every game. Horik Mar pipped him, and if I was the kind of, if I was the crudy look of Horik Mar overall in the season... Had a great semi-final. That's what got it for him. But the other games, like, were below par. Uh, probably Leachin. Leachin are lucky to kind of miss out. And then basically, I think Doran, he suffered because Wexford didn't get far enough in the camp. Moving on to Hurler of the Year then, uh, Sean Ogue. Uh, there's been a lot of debate over the weekend, even after the announcement of Joe Canning. A lot of people still felt that Jamie Barron was the man to get it. Um, I suppose looking out from the outside me, I wouldn't know an awful lot about it, but just from the games looking in, I thought even looking back at the replay of the All-Ireland final, I thought Jamie Byrne was, he thought he'd watered up on his shoulders at times. Uh, what was your take on that one? I would totally agree with the sentiments out there. Like, don't get me wrong, man. Joe Canning, like, Joe Canning, the hurling is what Sugar Ray Leonard was the boxing man. You know, he's like, he's beautiful, beautiful on the eye, like, you know, uh, and has been smashing her over the year. Did he deserve her of the year this year? I don't think so. Did he deserve Hurl of the Year in previous years? Probably did. Do you know what I mean? So I think this is this is a balancing act. He's he's eventually got the award where he didn't get it. Do you know what I mean? Like in years gone by. But Jamie Barron, unfortunate, very unlucky to lose out, man. Um, I thought he was the right keen of Waterford this year, man. Do you know what I mean? Kind of carried him, gave him great leadership. And a midfielder, man, he was like, if, if, if you look at it, like his scoring, his scoring way for a midfielder was phenomenal. He was... He was he was scoring more than like three of his fours put together. Do you know what I mean? So um, uh, I like if I was to call it, Jamie Barron definitely was hurled the year this year in my view. Yeah, very good. Yeah, uh, I suppose a fantastic weekend for Conor Callaghan as well. You'd have to you'd have to say like uh, yeah. picking up an award on Friday night and taking Kula all the way yesterday. He's an unbelievable talented young lad. In fairness to him. Uh, uh, Lowry and Shea Gale got fresh and Fisha Concha on uh, TG Cahar and Yake. Um, what's your takes on Conor Callaghan, um, Sean Ogre? Do you know, Ray, you hear of some players coming up before you even see him. So, Cam was one of those fellas. So, it was only last year that I got to see him play. Like, like the first time I saw him was winning the All Ireland Club at Kula um, as a full forward. Um, ah, look, like, what a, like, what, what a Jew player, like, do you know what I mean? And then BSC. Like, I'd imagine, I'd imagine what he's done with the Dublin footballers this year, like, do you know what I mean? If he was to have a hurling in his hand, he'd probably do the same thing, do you know what I mean? One thing, though, and I'd probably get slated for it, from a nat- like from a hurling perspective, I'd like to see him pick up the ball with the nose turned the other side out. That's, that's, that's been picky, though. That's been picky. It's <laughs> not a natural way of picking up the ball, so he picks up the ball, nose turning, in, it should be turning the other way, but that's just me being that's the coaching me now, like you know what I mean, Kanae. So if I was coaching him, I'd be getting him to turn the boss the other way. So he looked like a real, real natural hurler, like the way he looks like a natural footballer. But other than that, man, I mean, Jesus, the sky's the limits for the guy. I mean, yeah. 20, 22, 
um, all over the middle, all star, kind of, I'm sure that Pat Gilroy like had availability on the hurling setup, you know, the hurling setup as well. So, um, so the key, the key for him is, and he seems to have his head like fairly level on the ground. So the key for him is just keeping him free. You know? yeah. Uh, I just want to talk to you quickly about the, the mindset of uh, of the All-Stars themselves. I suppose I played with Dennis Lennon a lot this year th- for over my time at Westmead and he retired this week, but he was probably our, one of our marquee players and he would have openly admitted probably in his time playing, especially in the early years, that he was dri- driven and motivated by All-Stars. We might be out playing golf with Desi and he'd tell Desi that he wants his award for six months of the year because he earned him a lot of frees and that kind of way. What, if what's the mindset of a player um, maybe going to, towards an all-star that, are they motivated by all-stars or is it medals or what way would you would, would you see them lads well for me Doran right, I'd just kick off and unless Shane can uh, uh, come in like like for me as a player man if you're motivated by all-stars man you're, you're you're totally focused on the wrong thing do you know what I mean can, uh, and would you ever think coming up to a big game you know, they, they, they won't, that wouldn't come into your head at all Sean Ogie it'd never enter your head if I have a good game here now I'm all set for an all-star you'd never never be or you just I suppose concentrating and getting the better your man uh, not whatsoever man my focus was my, my focus was getting myself in tip top shape perform to the best of my ability so that could help Cork win the game to move on to the next stage of the championship end of well look at it it depends everyone is different and, and, and you know you know what you're saying I can understand as well you know and in total and I, I understand that, that concept and uh, that you're driven towards winning uh, kind of titles, monster titles, all Ireland titles, and all that. But uh, the other side, of it, you know, a guy that would be driven by um, by winning all stars, it means that he's driven possibly to be the best he can be. And it's a bit like the no eye in team is, is something that I don't believe in at all. I think there's there's 30 eyes in team or 15 eyes that start because if everyone is doing their best, uh, it, it helps the team uh, to be better. Um, so it's it's the sum of the parts. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, you don't start training uh, to be an all-star. Uh, certainly, it's not it's not high on the agenda. But to be the best you can be uh, is certainly something that um, will help the team. And if that leads in time to being an all-star, well, then so be it. But I think the overriding the overriding um, ambition has always got to be um, the success of the team over individual awards. But I can see maybe why guys on the periphery and and, and look to be honest about it was maybe one myself. When I was playing, you'd be looking and saying, look, could I be an all-star this year? Uh, if I am, it means the team is going to be better. If we can get three or four, it means the team is going to be better. It's going to give us a chance to win a kind of title. Uh, it ups the profile in a certain in smaller counties if you can get a couple of all-stars. Uh, I know you had a hurling all-star, Mike Spike Fagan, I think he was an all-star back in the, in the 80s or 90s. Yeah. I think so. yeah. And all these things help maybe to... to push forward and to, to um, advertise the game uh, in weaker counties, you know, when you have a personality that gets to the top and, you know, maybe when you're younger, that's maybe the likes, you know, the lads that, that look at it and say, well, look, if I can get there, uh, it'll help my team maybe progress or, or my county progress. Um, but look, at the overriding thing is to, to go out and do the best you can be to, to win win all Ireland. I, just on, on the, the, the hurling all-stars, um, hurling get an awful lot right compared to football for some reason, even though it's under the banner of the GEA. And, for example, you know, they have a Christie Ring All-Star, and, and they have a, you know, they have, they have a kind of a under... The Laurie Mayor, yeah. 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 An undercard All-Star system. Uh, and I think that's something, we, football brethren, we seem to be a bit snobby about uh, having, it's a bit like, you know, trying to 
split it up into Champions League format and A versus B and or whatever it may be, uh, yeah. top divisions and lower divisions and um, whatever different championship we can get to get it far more competitive than it is. But for example, we, we had a Pori Kelly there who plays with St. Bridget's uh, and Roscommon is a gifted hurler and he, he won an all-star uh, at his level and you know for, for Roscommon that's a that's a big thing you know it's, 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 it helps push that game hurling game uh, in the clubs around the periphery that, that, that uh, they play hurling and um, I think something similar in, in football um, would be a good idea I was lucky enough to receive a, a nomination in 2003 and I, I look back on that as, as as something you know that was nice to to to, to get, and also indeed uh, it, it gave me the opportunity not only to meet Sean O, but to meet his uh, girlfriend in now now. Um, <laughs> so you know there is a whole social aspect to it that we forget, um, you know, and we have to have a bit of a bit of crack and a, and a bit of downtime. Um, it's interesting there were six six uh, first time All Star winners in the hurling team. Um, as well, so that maybe is a reflection of the changing of the guard. I know Sean has said Kilkenny will be back, but uh, the hurling championship now looks to be far, far more competitive than, unfortunately, the football championship is. And, and um, that's it's good for the game of hurling, but not great for the game of football. Well, I suppose, um, without further ado, I suppose we're delighted to welcome this week's guest onto the panel, and he's going to be joining in our discussion about another hot topic at the minute, and that's the master fixture list for 2018, which has been uh, released re- recently, and how that's going to impact, uh, I suppose, at club level is something that we're going to have a discussion on there now. Chairman of the CPA, Michal Brody. How are you doing, Michal? How you doing? How are you? Good now. I suppose, Michal, um, the master fix list has been released there um, recently enough, and the GA has, has had their say in it with the ring fencing of April and more free weekends laid up for club football during the summer. Um, what's the CPA's uh, overall take on it? Yeah, no, we would uh, we would look at some of it, and uh, there's a lot of positives in it. Um, and as you said there, the ring fencing of April is, uh, is good to see. It's sort of the first time there's a designated period allocated for clubs. Uh, unfortunately, we were quite disappointed with uh, Parry Duffy's announcement at the same at the launch when he, he said, well, look, it's up to individual county boards what they wish to do with April. And uh, he more or less created a loophole for um, inter-county managers to sort of apply the pressure and not make inter-county players available for that period, which we thought was um, the fact that it was created into the master fixture plan was, was the first big step and we actually thought it was poor leadership from Porrick, uh, who has done very well on a lot of other things, on sort of, you know, on, on adding that sort of tokenism to it. So, but look, I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out next year. Obviously, there's an earlier start to the year for the for the inter-county uh, league, and then April will be free, and then the whole sort of uh, championship season in hurling and football will be condensed and brought forward, and there will be more weekends available from uh, July, August, onwards so that is certainly positive yeah shane just just you i suppose you're, you're involved with it as well what's your, what's your take on, on the master fixture list chain for 2018 and would you have made any changes to it well again like michael uh, you know there's some good things and some 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 not so good things in it um i think again as michael said the caveat being uh that uh Park duffy that he probably threw in about about uh, april and and uh, it's been um Policed by the, by the county boards is going to create issues because I don't see any county manager now um, allowing um, their, their players uh, a full month with the clubs without seeing them. I don't just think that will happen. Um, and again, it's you know 
it's, it's a case of throwing the responsibility back on county boards that aren't equipped to make these decisions. Uh, and uh, until that happens, uh, there's a higher authority that stands over and there's a diktat. Uh, I find it very, it, it's, it's going to be very, very unworkable. Um, in principle, it's a great idea. It's something the CPA right from its inception has fought for. Uh, but as Michael said as well, the competitions are coming forward. Um, counties now in, in, in uh, Connacht, for example, will be out the first weekend of May, both Leitrim and Sligo are out. Um, so I can't see uh, it happening that county managers are going to allow their players to be gone for the whole month of April without seeing them. I don't think it's workable. If Common are out in the third, the third week in May, I can't see Kevin McStay allowing that to happen. Uh, and then the Connacht Championship is, is forward by a month to the 17th. The Connacht final is the 17th now of June. So uh, again, like, you know, um, if, if we're really, really serious about it, about giving the club player time and about giving the club player a fixture list that is identifiable and can be worked towards from, from January through to October, November, whenever it finishes, uh, I don't think it goes far enough. And, and uh, again, it's done really in a piecemeal way. It's done to keep certain people happy um, and look at the Super 8 thrown to the middle of it. Um, is, is just adding to the, the hogwash that is, is the club fixture list and for the club for the club player uh, he's now again the forgotten man um, you know in terms of the association and, and I don't think it's good enough uh, I think you know the penny you'd have to drop at them at some stage that if you don't have club players and you don't have a vibrant club scene you, you won't have a vibrant uh, county structure because unfortunately uh, players will, will go away from the game um, and we're seeing that at the moment. Uh, the big issue now is that a lot of the players are, are down in tools for the summer because there's nothing for them and going to America. Uh, and we can't give out about that because, unfortunately, uh, there's nothing for them here to, to, to play. Yeah, Sean Oak, what, do you really think that intercounty managers will adhere to this April being ring-fenced or do you think they're going to be a squeeze put on the players to come and train and play? And I suppose, like both the lads have said there, uh, Porrick Duffy has, has left it up to counties themselves to police, which is a serious loophole. We all live in a real world, lads. That won't happen. I, like, I, I will concur with Hall and Shane Curran and then there's no way in the county manager would let... Uh, See, my take on it, the reason why the county managers are afraid of players going back to their clubs, right, they feel like that they won't get the same intensity of training at club level than they would at the county level. I, 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 I've seen that offhand, and in basically, especially when Shane mentions like that championship is going to be on, or, or, you know, the first one championship games up and running like come May, if the county manager will run full reign on their players, like, leading into it, you know, a good two, three weeks leading into it, so... Uh, I, I, I don't see that happening. And then basically, I think Parik Duffy, as Michal rightly said, he's kicked for touch in that because basically he, he should have just said, he, like, it should have just came from him from the top. No one is to participate in, you know, in the county kind of training that month, end of, right? He didn't, he left it open and then knowing full well, like, kind of, into county managers, like, will dictate, like. Yeah, no, exactly where you're coming from there, Sean Ogan, that, I suppose, m- my big issue, I suppose, and with the Super 8s as well, um, I suppose you can see a downturn from both the club and the inter-county perspective, but from the club perspective, no one's going to be wanting to finish up their championship maybe August, September, and having to wait for eight weeks for, for a provincial, provincial set-up, and then, um, I suppose, if you're, if you're in that bracket where you're trying to break into the, to, 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 to that top team to take Roscommon this year like um, they had a one-off game at a quarter-final this year to make it a semi-final against Mayo 
next year they're going to have to play three games in a, in a round robin situation against three of the best teams in the country and I don't know I just don't see it feasible for the likes of them I can just see the gap growing between the haves and the have nots and it's going to be a lot, a lot more competitive to, to, for them to break through um, Michal do you think there, there's going to be more demand on probably inter-county players to play both club and, club and um, inter-county or do you, see, do you see that increase and I see, I see in your own county there Mead there's been a lot of defect, deflections there from the inter-county panel a lot of them stating that they weren't able to keep up with the, the pressure and the, the, the schedule of training Yeah true I'll just go back to a few, a few points the lads made first just on the month of April um, Right, okay, the first thing is, like uh, what Porrick said, he wasn't even sure whether they'll play the games, even if they're league or championship games, let alone the training, right? Now, the only way this is going to work is if it's incorporated into the rulebook. And uh, I, I take on board there what uh, Sean Oak and Shane said, um, that, you know, living in the real world, I wonder it's going to happen, right? But the reason it won't happen, probably, is because each county will think that the other county is not doing it, that you're playing next. If you have a rule where all 32 counties have to abide by it, right, it will happen. It happens in rugby. Joe Smith gets his uh, players for, you know, he can run off uh, um, the Six Nations in a few weeks, and I know the players are coming back in clubs, and I know the argument will be, well, if you're training with Munster, it's better than a junior club in whatever county. Similarly, too, Martin O'Neill gets his players for a set designated period, right? The club scene will be dead if there's not designated periods allocated for them. Uh, Shane referred to it there, what is the dropout rate? I wouldn't be so worried about guys going away to America for the summer. They're actually dropping out of the game completely. They're actually going and choosing soccer, they're choosing rugby, because on the 1st of January, both of those codes can deliver you a fixture list that will say, these are the weekends you're playing, this is when we want you to sort of peak your fitness. This is when we want you to put in the big effort. This is when you can go on your holidays. This is when you can turn around to your missus and say, well, look, yeah, now we can go away for that weekend or do this and plan that. This weekend we can't. That is not there for the club player at the moment. It hasn't been for quite a while, right? Not since the inception of the qualifiers. And it has got worse and worse every year. And, like, I mean, at this stage now, like, I mean, the GA is split into two, Right. You basically have the corporate GA that's more concerned sometimes with concerts and sort of uh, elitism. And then you have the volunteer GA, right, which is by and large the club. And a lot, and I, I will say a lot that goes on at the county scene as well, right. But both of those, it, they're going to be like water and oil soon. Like, you know, they ju- you know they're in danger of not mixing. And I, I, I think like once that separation gets worse, Worse and worse, it's just that you know the chasm is just going to get deeper and deeper, unfortunately. So, I think like we're in a crisis situation. And believe you me, we have looked in the CPA, we have looked at all the different sort of uh, fixture plans that you know when to try and dovetail inter county and club. And the only way it can work is if you have a designated club period. And we're sort of saying April being the natural one initially because it's at the break between the league and the championship. Like, are we coming to stage now? And then this is just me thinking, oh, and you probably discussed it, right, kind of at length, because you said you're after going through it. Is it a stage where you just, like, how many percent of the players, the playing population, account for the inter-county scene? It's up to, is it? Two, three percent? Like, are we, are we coming to a stage where you're saying, look, 
Let's drive on with the club games. If you don't have your into county fellas, so be it. Just drive on. Uh, I'll come across on that, uh, Sean Ogan. I mean, our, our view on it would be like that the inter-county season, a lot of inter-county players would say the same. It's too long. Like They're already back. Most counties are back at the moment. Yeah. Training, right? Uh, and it's the first, you know, it's beginning in November, right? Because it's the inter-county managers that have the power and they're there and, and let's, let's uh, call it as it is, they're being paid by training session or by results, right? And that they're on short ter- the short-term sort of goals. So they're the ones that are calling the shots, right? There's no reason why that the season should be so lengthy. Like, I mean, there's more and more inter-county players uh, re- retiring, as Doran says there, even in my own county, me. They're just saying, look, it's not worth the effort, like, you know. So they are kind of going back into the club scene. And then, uh, you know, the, the inter-county scene is going to suffer if the club scene is not vibrant. But you can't have one without the other. No, I agree with you there, Michal. And I suppose even in the situation there in Dublin where players might come back a week after an All-Ireland final not trained with their club since since February or March like and then one training session and they could be knocked out then on the Wednesday or the Saturday like must be very disheartening from, from a club player's point of view and the likes of them counties that uh, you, you wonder why you keep going at all like and I, I like Sean Oak talked last week about his frustrations but after stepping back from Cork and going back to Napiercy and how difficult it was to even plan from week to week where you're going to be and what sessions are on are, are on the cards like and uh, uh, it, it is a major frustration, I suppose, for, for us all. And I, I, I would have had it here as well when I stepped away from Westmead and back to Gary Castle. Um, uh, and it's, it's so, and there's a great point made over the weekend. I came across it. Fixture, like the fixture plan is grand. A lot of it is based around games kicking off in January. Like, what's the story if we get like Hurricane Ophelia again? Like, you know, but the weather is bad. Like, you know. Yeah, there's, there's not there's nothing I, allocated in there for. No one whatsoever, Michal. Like there's too, there's too many, there's too many games. There's too many, you know. I mean, and and if you look at the overall period, like um, as I says of the intercounty period, and then even the club period. I mean, there should be a set amount of games run off in 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 a period of time. It'd be at six months for each or whatever. Obviously, intercounty players are going to have to have it at, at both ends. We see it even in our own committee in the CPA. Look, we have Aaron Kernan, we have Kevin Nolan, Anthony Miles. Um, you know, lads that have played like you know inter county and are coming helping us because like yourself, Sean Og, they're realising now and saying, right, I've heard what the, you know the fuss is about. Like, you know, but when you go back, we've had Porrick Joyce involved as well, and, and you know various lads like that and saying, God Almighty, like you know they are now the guys waiting on the inter county, and it doesn't have to be like that, like you know. But I mean, it's time for the clubs to take back the power. Like you know, I mean, we can sit here and we can kind of say, right, well, you know, bemoan what it is. And bemoan where we're going, or we can kind of look and see right. Well, how do we change this, lads? And the way to change it, right, is for the clubs to take back the power. It's cited several times um, by uh, Crow Park and by our president and by uh, Director General and all the different guys up there. The clubs have all the power. They do not have the power now because the way the Congress is set, right? You do not. Uh, clubs cannot put in. It's not as simple as putting in a motion. Getting it up the up the chain and then sort of you, you get you get to vote on a Congress, right? The way it's all set up there needs to be sort of open up. The structures need to be changed, and the structures need to be changed. And the only way they can be changed is actually by the clubs themselves from the bottom up. One club cannot do it, and that's why we're in the CPA. We're looking at sort of getting mass amount of clubs together, like you know, on one mission to kind of say, look, let's sort of look at this overall. Um, 
structure and system that is why did why is it like this didn't happen overnight this happened by incremental change little bit by little bit by little bit and if we look at the master fixture plan that came out last week some you know the first thing we say is well the first thing we could say on it is well we wouldn't have started from here you know but that's what we where we've landed sometimes you've got to just strip it back and start afresh and that's and that's really what's needed for the survival it is that serious is there anything wrong with going back 20 30 years ago and not go championship like well i mean i played my own like in club like i played in club football right through when mead were having very successful periods like you know yeah. especially in the 90s like you know and i'm still playing you know i've even played this year like and the last 10 years i've been playing here like um I mean, it's it's terrible, like you know. I mean, especially you have no foresight. The more when the qualifiers come in, and, and and that's that to me is the big thing. Like you know, we talk about super eights and we talk about hurling changes. The biggest thing is the qualifiers. Take them out because yeah. they give no certainty to half the counties uh, in the in the football end of it. Like you know, and let's you know, as I say, like not not every club is involved in, or not every sorry county is involved in hurling, but it, all Barclay Kenny are involved in football. And uh, most have been through the qualifiers at some stage or another. And once they come in, like you know, and once you start onto that uh, roller coaster, you just have no certainty. I, I agree with you, Jeremy. Do you see it down the line? Maybe uh, super eights becoming maybe super twelves or fourteens or, or extending this um, into probably into more counties. I'd like to see super twelve clubs, maybe. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Um, there's, there could be a risk of it going that way as well. Uh, look, I mean. Why does it have to go that way? Like, I mean, should there be a tiered championship? Yes, I mean, but I mean, that's not, that's a personal view of mine, like, you know, but it is within our sort of the plans that we have on our website that, you know, as there is in Hurland, uh, there should be tiered, not necessarily the way it's set up in Hurland, but there should be a tiered championship um, to make it more competitive. And some counties might say, well, no, we want to crack a Sam Maguire. And I say, well, if you want to crack a Sam Maguire, maybe get out of Division 4, you know, like, you know, so if you can't get out of Division 4 year on year, um, to get up into the higher echelons, well, then do you really sort of justify having a crack at Sam Maguire or should you be sort of competing at your level? It, it happens in club football. A junior club cannot, you know, I, I play with a junior club. We've been junior. We've, we've gone up to intermediate uh, once and uh, we can't compete at the senior, you know, so because we're not good enough. We're not at that level. A lot of clubs be holding their AGMs around this time of the year. Sean Oak, is it, Hire down a court to get people to come on board, which likes the chairman and treasurer and that kind of job. What I find, what I find with old club, it's, it's the same guys, but they're just a different position every year. Like it, it is hard. It is hard. It's harder to get. It's harder to get fellas my generation in involved. Like and 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 you have the same guys. You have the same guys like that have been doing like the chairman, secretary, PRO, treasurer, like for the last ten, fifteen years because there's there's been no one, there's been no one younger generation willing to kind of do it or take it up like um, and then that's one of the for me that's one of the kind of saddest things like that has come in the voluntary thing is oh, it's, it's nearly dead in his feet no, like the years gone by where people like took pride in giving something back to the club oh, that's 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 dying before my eyes by my club so. um, I, I think yeah. Uh, well, I'm sad to hear it, it, it's happening down in Cork, but I suppose maybe maybe um, the deluded Frank Murphy had something to do with that, Sean. Um, I, I, I see changes, and I think, to be fair to me, I'm the CPA there. You know, by, by getting members on board, you can change it. The, the, the issue, and getting younger people involved, and I can only speak from our own experience here locally, um, we have a chairman of our club who's, I think, in his 20s, and we 
probably one of the biggest clubs, or certainly one of the biggest clubs in Roscommon, one of the biggest clubs in Connacht. Um, we have an awful lot of women involved in our club. Um, we're a very inclusive club, uh, relatively successful at underage level um, and, and throw up in both ladies and men's. And I think sometimes, you know, you, you have to change the slope. We all know that. But that's one of the issues that, and one of the problems that we have is that the delegates now that are attending uh, club uh, that, that go to, to conferences and all that sort of stuff and go to go to the the, the, GA, the annual GA holies as we call them are all mandated by the club to vote in certain ways. Uh, and when they get to 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 uh, meet with county board officials, then um, some of those uh, decisions are, are are changed. So unfortunately, we're in a situation we are pro- possibly. In a cycle of change, I think we are in a cycle of change where we can get maybe young, far more young people involved, um, and create a very vibrant message. Um, and the club scene is 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 really the start of that. And um, I think the work that Michael is doing is is, is outstanding work. And uh, it may be a number of years before you will see the benefit of that, but it's certainly worth sticking with. And I think in terms of even Sean, you know, you talk maybe from an administration point of view. When you get involved also in coaching, um, while administration is not for everybody, it's certainly not for, for maybe you or I, but the fact that you're involved, you, you can exercise or you can, you can maybe influence some, some element of change just by being there and by having the, the, the positive sentiment. Um, so I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't just give up on it. I, I think um, you know, we, we have a huge opportunity now with the CPA. Uh, to further um, to further the cause of the club player, and you know it's it's a very respected group, and um, I think it's done more probably in six months than the GPA have done for their association in the last uh, ten or twelve years. So, you know, I would I would I would I would caution that you know all things aren't aren't bad, and um, that along the way you know you get people like the likes of Sean Kelly, you get guys that are innovative and creative in administration roles. That, that will push forward ideas and ideals um, that, that will help drive the organisation forward. Uh, but I agree with Michael also maybe on the corporate structure and, and the, the other side of things. There are, there are two GAs at the moment, and one, unfortunately, um, is the inter-county scene that's about money. It's about uh, commercialisation of, of the game, uh, about TV rights and all that. And I think when you get the likes of Sky involved uh, in bidding wars for football matches, you're only going to have one thing. You're going to have more football matches. So uh, the Super 8s will evolve into something else. There's no doubt about that because there's a commercial reality to all of this. Um, and, and, and that's something that we can't get away from. Uh, but again, I would make the point that if you have a vibrant club scene, you will have a vibrant inter-county structure. And attendances at club games will, will also go up because the product will be better. Michal, you were 28 when you became chairman of your club there. Um is it is it the same way in Mead? Is it is there a kind of a split, or is it um, easier to get people on board to take up these kind of posts of responsibility? No, it's, no, it is not. No, it's no doubt about it. Like I mean, yeah, I was twenty eight when I was chairman. I did it for seven years. I'm, um, I'm probably seven years out of it now as well. Um, I look right. I, I got a very young um, committee in around me. They were all actually younger than me. They were all playing. And they were all in tune with completely what was happening uh, on the field, and we had, a, we had quite a successful period on and off the field in in, in those years. But um, yeah, I mean, look, you get tired of it. I mean, I wanted to step out, work, and, and whatnot, took over, and I just sort of took a break, and then um, from that. But t- t- you know, 
the guys that you know they've taken over with all due respect to the older generation as Sean Oak says and they just revolve around positions and when you go up to the county board conventions there like you know one guy moves out of uh, assistant ch- assistant chairman to become the treasurer and he swaps roles with the other guy it's a closed shop like you know right so that's the way it happens and for one person to go up there and I remember going to all those conventions and kind of saying right you know you're just going to get shot down here and, and sometimes you were looked at and the more or less said should you be in you know are you too young to be here type thing and, and it is quite an intimidating sort of a forum for a, 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 you know a, a young person to be at and I think what we need to do is sort of look at getting representatives to county board conventions and to congress and insist that they are club players or you know, club players in uh, at least within a year or two of playing because they need to be more in touch. I mean, I, I've attended the CCCC, which is the ten people who basically sort of put together um, the whole um, uh, fixture list, like you know, the master fixture list, and myself and Liam Griffin, Anthony Miles, and Derek Kavanagh um, sat in with them in on, in October, right? And you know, you know we had. You know they're very learned guys. I mean, but a lot of them have been sort of, uh, you know, they've been sort of forty years involved as secretary or something like that of their of their um, county, and then they retired ten years ago, and now they're in the CCCC. Like you know, and that's another gig, you know. And I mean, there was no freshness, no youth there at all. Like you know, and they're bemoaning that players don't get involved, or players never get involved. Well, you know, in some cases they won't get involved unless people step aside or, you know, I mean, there's some sort of role that they will look, serve, serve. I'd be a big believer in sort of saying, serve your time, leave it better than the way you got it, and then get out and move on. Just a quick, quick talk. I suppose a lot of clubs are playing managers, I suppose, this time of the year. Sean Og, um, what sort of uh, manager should, and characteristics should a club be looking out for in terms of appointing manager? That's a $6 million question, really. Like, <laughs> I suppose a manager, a manager that, uh, I suppose... <laughs> Recruit a manager that could deliver a silverware at the end of the day, you know. Kind of, uh, but um, like for me, you know, if I was a chairman or a secretary and I was like kind of tasked to get a manager in, it's not focused on the silverware yet, like, but just just a manager like that can develop a group, do you know what I mean? Like, and bond them together, develop the group, bond them together, and then basically get them to play as a team. Shane, you brought um, uh, Pierce's out the road to the brink of a Ross Common title. Uh, are you back involved with uh, management next year with a different club? Or, um... I, I, I'm not too sure that I'm involved with my own club under 20s, but I, I would, with, with what Sean Ogg is saying, I think, again, um, in terms of coaching and that, um, in, in most counties now, you find, you know, if you look up and down now, the, the county uh, championship senior finals in particular that I'd be keeping an eye on, and even maybe even intermediate titles, a lot of counties now have repetitive winners in these counties. So clubs are getting, one club is going, something like even the inter-county scene, clubs are getting far, far stronger than other clubs uh, within within even counties. If you look at Castlebar, uh, you have Corrafin, you have ourselves in Roscommon, um, obviously Cross Lane, you have Croaks. You, you go around the country and you get clubs that are just dominating their own county championships. So it's very important that if you go into a club that you not only you improve the senior team, but that you improve the coaching and the infrastructure down to, from the top, from the top down, and you try to make a difference to their philosophy and their ethos and how they play, uh, how they how they, their habits, how they attend training, and that that permeates down through that type of leadership permeates down through the club and the coaching structure within within a club. Uh, that's very very difficult to do, and it's very difficult to get clubs 
to stick with a program. And uh, you know, sometimes I suppose we're in Bridget's. We're very fortunate, um, you know, that we started out 22, 23 years ago with that type of idea and ideal, and now we're reaping the benefits of it. And Nothing happens quickly. Nothing happens overnight in terms of trying to win championships or even improve a team. Um, it's very, very difficult. And it's very difficult to get individual players to buy into a mindset of, uh, of the team. Uh, Sean said there you get a lot of individuals who have their own selfish needs and their own selfish goals. Um, but they don't create the habits within to firstly be successful, to lay the foundation successful. Um, and I think that's something that chairmen have got to be to be very um, careful about. Are you getting in a manager that's in here now for a year to flog players um, left, right and centre at training sessions over the last couple of years, listening to horror stories where managers are, are expecting players to train in the morning, train in the evening, uh, four or five training sessions, and not taking into account uh, his everyday life, um, his work environment, his uh, relationship environment, and all the other um, nuggets that, that are important to giving you a, a player that has the, the correct mindset to play uh, on, on any given Sunday or Saturday, whatever it is. You have to have a set, a set plan, and I would say, you know, the three to five year development plan um, for a team that's trying to win a championship, unless you're really at the, the higher echelons, is, is, is a time frame. But then to get people to stick around and commit for that uh, is not that simple. And um, there is an awful lot of bad managers out there uh, who who have poor ethics, um, who have a poor understanding of the game, uh, and who have a poor understanding of people in general. Really something I suppose you have to be wary of. Uh, what are the, what are the, the, the um, I suppose, the, the bona fides of a manager, and what is his commitment to it, and uh, to making the club better, and, and the players better by, by, by good practice, really. You know, I think uh, winning is, 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 as I say, everything, but sometimes along the way it's a journey. And, and it takes maybe it can take a year, it can take two, it can take three uh, to progress a club, and it's getting harder and harder now because go back to the old thing, the club player, um, you know, he has no defined structure to his life. The poor devil, or, or uh, you know, no no structure to you know, he's, uh, he gets a, in January and it's it's uh, a Christmas from from Santa and it's changed by January, so that's that's just the way. But um, look at it, there is a merry-go-round out there and. Uh, um, there's, there's very few good ones. Can I can I come in on that, guys? Because there's, there's another angle on that as well. Um, that and I appreciate you know Shane yourself. You're with you're, you're with big clubs down there in St Bridges, but I'm with St Bridges here. Me to be a smaller club, a junior club, and sometimes yeah. uh, the manager you look for is probably is he's called. I remember one year in particular ringing 16 lads looking for someone to train us. You know, and it's eventually when somebody says yes, and the other question you do ask is how much are you going to charge. Are you going to charge? Yeah. You know, yeah. because you know, small clubs. You look at them and you say, "Well, look, do you pay someone like you know that's, or do you pay expenses? How much can the club afford? And do you get an outside manager? Do you get someone within? Certainly, if you get someone within, he'd never, be, he'd never be expected to submit any form of expenses. And those are characteristics that are uh, looked at upon as well. I agree with Shane um, on, on on the other end. There has to be someone that looks out for the club. Too often I've seen managers come in and they're looking at that short-term uh, success and they're maybe not playing a guy who could be a good player in a year's two time and he's become disillusioned, he's not getting game time. But the manager is thinking about him and his own year of success. He's not thinking about the, the club long-term. But the money is an issue for a lot of clubs. Well, the, the, th- the other side of it is that you've got players as well um, you know, who, who are demanding, uh, who demand the best. And, and I would, you know, 
you have to, in a lot of clubs here, in particular in Roscommon, you have county players who are used to a certain level of creature comfort, let's put it that way, um, that isn't attainable at club level. But yet you have to strive to give them the best structure within within whatever budgets are there uh, to, to to help the whole the whole team. And there isn't maybe an understanding of it, um, you know, that you can't have X, Y, and Z, but you can have X. And you mm-hmm. know, you, you have to work within those those parameters. But the financial side of things is, is huge. And um, you know, you, we're, we're we're playing catch up, but all the time. I mean, for example, and I think maybe only you may know it. There was in Westmead this year that invested I think 8,000 in, in GPS but they hadn't the power to kick, to kick the ball over the bar uh, and that's the type of issue that you have you have a manager who comes in looking for a club to invest in this type of technology uh, thinking these guys are, are full time pros and he probably doesn't even know how to use it Great stuff lads well I suppose that's a wrap for all things GA this week but it was another big weekend in boxing Sean Oak, were you watching Deontay Wilder vs. Vern? Would you, would you step into the ring with Deontay Wilder? Any day of the week, but he's soft as. <laughs> <laughs> soft as. Let's see, take your head oh, off. He's soft. He's a specimen, yeah, he's a specimen. He looks like the only, he looks like the only fella there on the circuit that could trouble Anthony Joshua. He's no Sugar Ray Leonard or Muhammad Ali, though, Sean. I agree with you, Shane, boy. I agree with you. Can't beat the old school, man. Can't beat the old school, stuck in the past. I, I like to look forward to the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, without further ado, that's a wrap for uh, Super 8's podcast this week. It's been great having hearing the views from Chairman of the CPA, Michal Brody, um, and also the two resident in situ, uh, Shane Kern and um, Sean O'Gahalpine. 